Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to take 460,000.8 on this special edition. Grayson, do you want to um, explain to people what happened? Yeah, we had a little bit of technical difficulties yesterday, but, you know, through a couple, I would say about two, two, almost three weeks of planning, we were able to get the greatest podcast in the UK to combine with the greatest podcast in America. And here we are. We're going to talk about arguably one of the greatest cards coming up this year. Real quick to introduce, I'm Grayson Fisher. I'm an amateur MMA fighter, co-host of Clocks on the Stove. Mr. Zach Watts, you want to introduce yourself? Yep, I'm Zach Watts, uh, obviously a co-host of Clocks on the Stove. I'm an amateur journalist, not a fighter though, but, you know, always good to have some fight knowledge on the podcast with Mr. Grayson Fisher. But it's exciting to finally have some international um, linking up with podcasts. You know, we probably get more work done than, than the United Nations. So hopefully we're going to keep that trend moving. I think so. I think so. I'm Musin Yasalada, stand-up comedian, frequent masturbator, and psychology PhD. Fahan, who are you? I'm also a stand-up comedian. That's all. That's all I do. I don't do anything else. You're not a frequent masturbator. I am, but I cut down a little bit recently. So. Oh, nice. Good. Good. That's good. That's healthy. That's healthy. Speaking of frequent masturbators, John, <laughs> joking. That's a terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who wants to kick us off? What are we saying about that? Yeah, I'll I'll start us off kind of like I did yesterday. I mean. Going into this fight, it's a battle of the who's who's. I mean, the resumes are both insane. You know, heavyweight world title fight, unification. Francis Naganu just left the UFC. Well, I don't know if he left. He just didn't re-sign, so he's kind of in a weird, like, limbo state. You know, you got John Bones Jones coming in at 26-1-1. One, and one. The no contest was the uh, failed drug test against DC. The one loss was that he just beat the shit out of Matt Hamill so bad they felt bad for him. Versus the number one contender in the world with Serial Gone coming in at 11 and 1. I mean, it, when it comes to like a dream heavyweight fight, I don't know. Maybe DC and Stipe is more credentialed, but I would say it's probably one of the most credentialed heavyweight fights of all time. John, I mean, number 10 pound for pound, former, probably the best UFC heavyweight fighter to ever step planet. 10 knockouts, six submissions, 10 title defenses, youngest champ in UFC history, defeated seven former world champions including current and former 1FC and Bellator world champions. And Don's resume, is, I mean, it's not of Jones, but, I mean, he was a two-time France Muay Thai world champion, two, uh, TKO heavyweight world champion, 13-0 pro Muay Thai record with nine wins via knockout. So we're talking about two huge guys that have huge combat sport resumes fighting on the biggest stage in Las Vegas, Nevada for probably arguably the baddest motherfucker award, which is the UFC heavyweight world title. Yep. Um Building off on that a little bit, you know, I'm going to touch on the fact that you brought up Francis and Ghanu. Like, you know, they're not in talks anymore, but it's kind of like that relationship you have with a girl you just broke up with. Like, you're not officially together, but you're definitely hitting her up at like 3 a.m. Like, yo, like, come over for a little bit. That's kind of like where Francis is sitting right now with the UFC. But in terms of this John Jones, Cyril Ghanu fight, I mean, the credentials speak for themselves, but it also passes the eye test. You know, you look at both these fighters, they're both exceptionally good at what they do. It's kind of a battle between like old era versus new era. John's kind of like the ending of the old era, whereas Cyril Gone, we've never seen a heavyweight with this much fluidity at this weight. You know, he just moves so well for its size. And for John, you know, it's really interesting because every fight he's ever had in his career, he's always had three key advantages his reach advantage, his athleticism, uh, and his size. Cyril probably matches up with them in all three of those uh, regards. So I don't really see John having 
any outstanding advantage coming into this fight other than his extreme uh, wrestling skills. I think that's probably what's going to be the biggest factor in determining who's going to win this matchup. You know, I've been seeing a lot of videos of John lately, which is weird, you know, building up all the way to the fight. You really didn't hear much from either of these guys in their fight camps other than uh, gone saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just a lazy fat fuck. But I mean, hey, man, you do what you do. You kick people's ass. You can kind of train how you want to. But, you know, it'd be kind of stupid if you didn't train uh, for John Jones. But we'll see how this plays out. You know what I love about John Jones, right? He's um, he's one fuck up away from it not even being sad anymore. Just hilarious. Like if he fucks up this time, <laughs> right, somehow, like fails a drug test or like punches a, a prostitute on the Las Vegas Nevada show, <laughs> right? I'm not even, you know, because the, 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 it got sad during the pandemic, you know, when they made him walk in a straight line because he got mm. another DUI and stuff. And you kind of felt bad for the guy. If he fucks up again, it's just funny at this point. Yeah, it's like there's no more excuses. It's on you. But I've been seeing so many memes that are like, the UFC is really testing the waters with John's return fight by throwing it in Las Vegas. What is it about these um these maverick special fighters that they just have some sort of personality defect? You know, you like you've seen it. We've seen it so many times across you know combat sports where like these the special the real sometimes the real special ones are just a little bit crazy and khabib i think that's and gsp are fine say that again like khabib and gsp are okay though isn't it yeah, yeah they're different they're different but the rest of them tyson fury is another example mike tyson john jones people like that and you know, oh, you know if we get that old john jones back that one who against shogun real who for no reason whatsoever decided he was just going to open with a flying knee because he felt yeah. like or the guy who just crawl up to people because he just thought it was a good idea at one point. Or the guy who's got, um, <laughs> trying to defend a leg lock turns around and then just hammer fist you in the face. <laughs> or the guy who headbutted Shogun Ruhr in the belly. If we get even 50, if we get 60% of that guy, that's how special I think John Jones was. I think he beat Cyril Gunn. That's how good John Jones was in my estimation. I don't know what you guys think about that. Maybe I'm overregging how good he was. I I hope uh, I hope it's the same guy as before, like pre Anthony Smith. If we see like the the John Jones that fought Gustafson the second time, or even before that, if we see that guy show up, and yeah, even like sixty percent of that guy, I'll take that. Uh, but if it's like the guy who showed up against like Dominic Reyes. Or Tiago Santos, I'm not sure. I'm, I'd have to probably go with Cyril Gunn then, but because like, you could people say that oh his heart wasn't in those ones, that's why he was a bit lackluster. But like your heart's got to be in it if you're fighting Gunn, man. Because yeah, Gunn's gonna he'll probably kickbox his head off if if he's not if he's just not if his mind's not there. So hopefully, John. Oh, I actually want to piggyback off that point you made. You talk about first of all before I say anything, I'm really torn on this. Because I am, like, dead down the middle of John Jones hater and a John Jones lover. Yeah. I love <clears throat> how fucking amazing he is. And, I mean, Fran, you, you – I don't know about <clears throat> Mushin and Zach, but, like, we watched the rise of John Jones. Like, I remember I watched Shogun take the – I watched Leota Machida take the belt from Rashad Evans. And then I watched Leota Machida get – should have lost the first Shogun fight. They robbed him. Then he got killed yeah. in the second one. And then I, I watched all that happen. I watched – the belt go from Rampage to Forrest Griffin to Rashad. Like, I grew up watching this. Yeah. So to see it was beautiful. 
But the issue is I'm a true martial artist at heart. I mean, my favorite fighter of all time is George St. Pierre. I mean, I even have his autobiography right here. And when it comes to being the GOAT, I think part of it too is, which is comes with martial arts is how do you act outside of the cage? You never heard issues with George St. Pierre. You never heard issues with Khabib. Until recently, you didn't really hear anything about like BJ Penn. You don't hear about true martial artists. You don't really hear issues like that. And with John, it's nothing but issues. So, you know, I'm very torn on it. Obviously, also, I wanted the GSP to be the GOAT when I die, but, you know, it is what it is. But piggybacking off what you said, you're saying the same John that showed up against Dominic Reyes and the same John that showed up against Thiago Santos, was it that it was a bad John that showed up? Or was it that he got the absolute best of those guys? And we hear, and my coach always preached it too. He goes, it's more dangerous to be a returning defender than it is a first-time challenger. Because mm -hmm. once you've defended that belt one time or even two times, every single motherfucker in that division is studying your film every single day. So while you're preparing for serial gone, you have the three, four, five, six, seven, eight heavyweights that aren't fighting are studying you. And you're not even thinking about them yet. So yeah, you get a six-month camp to fight them, but they've been studying you for two years. You know what I mean? So every time you're at the best, you're going to get the best. Now, do I think that wasn't the best version of John? Absolutely. But can we also think about it from a gaming aspect? John also knew he didn't have to do too much to win those fights. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like when he fought Gustafson, he had to finish Gustafson because Gustafson was going to bring him hell. He knew he could be a little more conservative versus Reyes and Santos. Now, do I agree with this approach? No. But I also don't think John looked that horrible more as John played the game with the cards he was dealt, if that makes sense. Yeah. John's also the only guy I've ever heard of where people in his camp would say, like, he's the only fighter that would go out till, like, 6 in the morning and then show up three hours later, like, completely hungover and go into a training camp, like, two weeks out from a fight. Like, you really don't hear about that. And Moosin brings up the fact, like, why do all these, like, Maverick fighters have some kind of personality issue? I kind of think it plays in their favor because you have to lose all sense of morality when you step into that cage. Like you have to kind of want to kill a motherfucker at the end of the day. Like, and John fights like he's trying to get a murder charge. And I don't really blame him for that because it makes for a hell of a spectacle um, for the viewing pleasure. And if you really want to know how good John Jones is, just because Dominic Reyes fought him good enough, they gave him three murderers immediately after. Right after his loss to John, fought same Jan with Diago. Same with Diago. He fought murderers right after too. He fought Rockick yeah. and he fought the same thing. Yeah, give him Jan, Yuri uh, Prozatska, and then Ryan Spann. Like, they just were like, hey, Dominic, you did good enough. Now we're going to end your career because you nearly took away our golden child. So, yeah. I I mean, at least for Gon's, like, point of view, the only real fighter I see, like, topping him in that division, obviously, is Nganu. But, I mean, we can talk about Sergey Pavlovich, who's actually serving as the backup for this fight, despite signing the Is that the confirmed? Contract. Is that confirmed? Yeah, it's confirmed. Yeah, it's confirmed. They announced it uh, yesterday. But yeah. I think he'll be a champion at some point, but we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about the problem child, which is John Jones. But I mean, yeah. all that aside, I really think John has all the tools to put this away, but I feel like this all comes down to his mental preparation. But from what I've seen, you know, he seems to try to like fix his character, like clean up all his out of the octagon issues, which props to him. But you know, how much you change outside the ring is also going to change who you are inside the ring everything plays a part in your life. Like it's, there's no way you can completely separate the two. So I, I do think this is going to, I, I mean, I'm praying this goes how it's supposed to as one of the best showcases of martial arts skill wise. I just hope both fighters actually show up with a game plan and to the best of their ability. I think yeah. what happened to 
Dominic Reyes might be the same thing that happened to Cody Garbrandt, where there was a dominant champion in the division that they looked up to while they were coming through. So they were basically groomed and designed for that one night. So Dominic Reyes has got very good. Dominic Reyes is probably just very good at fighting John Jones, mm. where Cody Garbrandt is just very good at fighting Dominic Cruz. Yeah. You have a dominant <laughs> champion for so long, right? Your style is predicated. Your st- your whole life has been based on like beating that one guy. We're going to see it with Dagestani fighters. There's kids coming up right now who are basing their game, who are around featherweight to welterweight, who are thinking about Islam Makachev every day. You know, there you go, right? And what you could do, you watch that aggression. You watch that fight. You watch every time Islam Makachev um, fights. I bet you watch that and you go, what would I do in that situation? Oh, interesting. He likes to stand in the middle, back you up against the cage, and then he shoots. Oh, he throws a flying knee to close the distance. I need to watch out for that because I know a takedown is coming. So you're downloading that information. And when you have killers who are literally just downloading your playbook over a decade, eventually... And they don't even know we exist. Like, he doesn't exactly. even know I'm a person. Exactly. Exactly. And they're just downloading your playbook and they're trying to work you out. And that's what happens with these guys. I mean, that's why, I mean, it's a bit off topic, but I think that's probably one of the wise things about Habib retiring and not staying around for too long. Leave, yeah, while, you're Leave while you're on top. Don't give those guys a chance to basically... It's like... It's like, imagine like you were, every exam you went into, you, you had the answer sheet next to you. You know, you're going to do pretty damn well. And once you've been fighting for that long, fighters come into the cage with an answer sheet. Yeah, what, what you were just saying about Khabib walking away, I was thinking about it today. I was thinking like, if John loses, does that... Because I think most people consider him the GOAT right now. But like, if John loses, would do you think it's safe to say like... Do you think a lot of people would say like, oh, he's not the GOAT anymore? Do you think that's fair? DC fans will be coming in their pants. I think yeah, yeah the DC fans, DC. If there are DC fans, I've never met a DC fan. <laughs> yeah. They will be fucking creaming. Yeah. Khabib fans as well, because Khabib fans will be like, "Oh, our, our guy never lost. Your guy's lost now." You can't put Khabib. So, I know we're getting a little off topic, but I kind of like where this is going. I want to say it was Zach yesterday that said this to me, or maybe it was my friend Dana. It was like, if you just blanked your mind and you 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 gave. The top five guys like John Jones, this, 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 like Demetrius Johnson, George St. Pierre, and Silva, and you took their 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 resume and you took their name off of it, and you just took their resume and you turned it into to someone that didn't know fighting. <clears throat> would Khabib's look the best? No, no chance. Three title defenses. His combined oh. opponent's record going in the UFC was under five hundred. Like, I think Khabib is the most dominant fighter of all time because yeah. he would tell you what he was going to do to you, and then you would train a year for it, and he would still do it to you. But when it comes to GOAT, I don't think his resume matches up with some of those guys. I really don't. Fun but fun. I think if John loses, he's still the GOAT because this is a super fight. You know, it's yeah. the same thing with Volk losing to Islam. He still kept the number one out of pound. I don't think it ruins his, his dynasty. And you understand, this is killing me to say this because I'm a George St. Pierre dick rider, okay? But I do think John, regardless, he he's he's doing something he doesn't have to do because he's already cemented goat status, in my opinion. Yeah, it's true. And not everyone's not everyone's double champ quest is built equally, you know. Mm-hmm. So some people have had a harder journey to double champ status. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a off topic question, but I'll ask you guys anyway. Who do you think's had the hardest journey to double champ status? DC. Yeah, DC. 
Well, they, but, you had to fight Stipe, bro. You had to fight the best heavyweight of all time. Yeah, but the first belt, like to get the belt out, he didn't. Like, McGregor. No, get out of here. Eddie Alvarez joke, dude. Get no, out of here. No, but Jose Aldo was. Um, Jose Aldo was a good one. Yeah, but then the thing is, I agree. But Jose and Stipe, I feel like, are pretty up there. And then the, their opposites, they're two and one sucked. That's a fun John, question. I, need to, I if, might look into that. And see if John that. Jones was fighting in Ghana, then it would be him. What about Nunez? Cyborg and Valentina Jevchenko? Yeah. It, Who did she good. beat for the belt? She had to beat uh, Misha Tate, right? I thought, oh, yeah, but then that, I could have sworn, or maybe she defended it versus Valentina. Yeah, yeah. she defended against Valentina, but yeah. she had to beat Misha to win it. Yeah, and then right. she had to yeah. beat Cyborg. That's, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I think that's a very good one. And another one that people don't talk about because it kind of like wasn't double champ was old school Randy Couture, bro. Yeah. He had to beat Chuck Liddell and then Tim Sylvia, who at the time was like the motherfucker in the day, you know? Yeah. But uh, let's get back to this real quick. Before we give like our actual prediction, I want to hear what you guys think. If Gon was to win this fight, what does he have to do in order to win this fight, in your opinion? He has to keep John Jones off him at kickboxing distance and point him, point him, break him down to the body, break his legs, take away his mobility and maybe even stop him late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. keep It's, one of, the, it's, it's one of those cases where John Jones has more ways to win. Mm -hmm. Right. We know how Cyril's going to win this fight. If he does win this fight, it's going to be from long distance, keeping that range, keeping that kickboxing Mai Tai style and using his superior strength which we assume he's going to have because he's been a heavyweight for all his life. Do you think um, if it turned into a gunfight, who do you think would win? Like just straight ex one, two exchanges? Like, you know how Gunn was fighting Taitui Vasa mm -hmm. like, where they were just kind of swinging at one point? I think, it sounds stupid, I think John. You think John? I think John, because if you watch and you go watch like the first, go watch some of his dog fights, like mm -hmm. his first Gustafson fight, even the Leota Machida fight a little bit, when shit gets ugly, John gets ugly. So he like he, the elbow, that short exactly. Elbow. He's not as technical, but he gets brawler mode, and that's one thing that Zach brought up. I like. I love the violence behind John. Uh, he is not as clean as a striker as Cyril Gon, and even John knows that. That's a, it's just a fact. That's 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 a known fact. But the thing is, is John's not going to stand there and exchange ones and twos with him. He's going to clinch an elbow. He's going to knee and get out. He's going to hit angles with an elbow. Like he's going to throw. At, he's going to make it an MMA fight. He's not going to keep it a one and two fight. He's going to make an MMA fight and utilize every single weapon he has. And if you go watch old school John when it gets ugly, even the DC fight, bro, he gets in those clinches, he throws that elbow when he comes out. Like that little elbow does a fuck ton of damage, bro. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. The way yep. it's like stumbled Rashad as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That yeah, fight pissed me off so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. But one thing that I think we all like realize about John is like, he's very susceptible to leg kicks. And I'm wondering to see how much his leg health is going to hold up moving up to heavyweight. One thing I do think plays into John's favor is he took his time with this bulk. Like it was a project for him. You see a lot of guys, the reason why they move up weight classes and they don't have success. Like you look at Volkanovsky, you know, he did fairly well in his move up, but you know, you could tell the strength was a bit of an issue there. You looked at Cody Garber. It was the moved. issue. It was probably yeah. the issue. Yeah, you look at Cody Garbrandt when he moved. Like, it just didn't play out. And there's another fighter I'm forgetting yeah, off the top the of my Max Holloway yeah. as well. Like, Max, yeah, Max Holloway, Holloway was, too, yeah. Was yeah like, he was just – he wasn't – the strength wasn't there. Yeah, like, it's just it's just a little bit taking 
like it takes a little bit of time to get used to, but for John, you know, he realized this and he took his time, not only moving up to the weight and finding a comfortable weight for him, but he adjusted to how he felt at that weight. He wanted to make sure he was at that weight where he still felt he had the, the same speed, same strength, like he could match up with some of his heavyweights. And I think it's really shown through his camp with the amount of work he's put in. So I, I'm going to give him his props in that regard. But then again, you know, Gon's going to go and look at the film. Say he's going to be like, all right, I need to chop the leg down. But you don't think Jones is going to sit there as well and say, I, he's probably going to come after my leg. So I, I wonder who has the better game plan. I mean, if you're going to tell me to bet on someone, I'm obviously going to say Jones. You know, that one interview he had where he sat down and he was like, I study, got, I study their favorite punch. I know their second favorite punch. I know the way they duck. I know the way they flinch. He's, he's like, I know them better than they know them. And that, that terrifies me. Like, if I went into a fight knowing that another guy knew what I was going to do before I even do it, I would shit my pants. I, w- I wouldn't even want to step in the cage, especially when the guy – is a murderer and like headbutts cars in his off days. Like I, I wouldn't want to step in the ring with him, but I mean, if, if we're I'm, just going to, if I'm gone, I am yeah. going to keep this fight as North and South as possible. I don't want any angles. And if I'm gone too, like I'm the one fighting the, as soon as the fight starts, I'm just throwing faint knees and front kicks up the middle. I want to let John know there's not a straight shot at all, you know, because that's obviously what he needs to eliminate. And this is, me as a wrestler telling you when I go into a fight, I, I want to, I'm looking at that, that back leg. If that back leg is coming up the middle a lot and it's, it's fast and that knee's fast, that's where I'm wary. So if I'm gone, I'm, like I said, I'm keeping the fight in front of me the whole time. And I'm, I'm showing John that, that straight path to a takedown is not there. I do agree with Zach too. I think the leg kicks are going to be huge. And, and uh, Mushin said this yesterday. It's not like John went up to heavyweight and his, his fucking ankles got bigger. Like, his legs are skinny as shit, you know, and that's not going to help him. But if I had to give my pick, like, gun to my head, I'm going to go John. Um, I don't think the wrestling is going to be as big of a deal as everyone's saying it is because Don is obviously fucking training for the wrestling as well as we don't know how good John's cardio is going to be. We've seen how athletic and fast he is. I mean, with the Walt Harris video, all these videos coming out. But can he do that for 25 minutes straight? with this extra 40 pounds of a backpack on him, you know? But I think I think John might take it. John's either going to finish him in the fourth or fifth or win a decision. I think the only possible way Don wins is to put him away within three, and I just don't see John going to sleep within three. He's not going to submit him. He's got to knock him out. So um, if I had to go, I'm going to say I'm going to say John with either championship round finish or, or decision. That's my that's my final pick. I'm going, I'm going John Jones because – it's hard for me to bet against a guy who has more world title fights than his opponent has fights, you know, mm-hmm. and not just world title fights, world title wins. I think even John Jones, it strikes me as a type of guy where even, I don't think we're going to see a prime John Jones, right? At, how old is he? 35 years old. Yeah. He's too old. He's too old to be doing that backflips and fucking yeah. and other shit. But what John Jones has always had is a great IQ for fighting and that's the last thing that leaves you, you know, that and maybe some good old fashioned, just man strength power, right? He has that mentality. He just knows how to win. He's from a family of winners. It's in his DNA. Yeah. And how crazy it is to have two brothers in the NFL and one, the greatest fighter ever to live and not, and one has been to pro bowls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just It's built into his DNA to win. And he's always found a way. And I think this is probably just going to be another case of, 
John Jones finding a way to win. And sometimes I try and look at the bigger picture. Would I be surprised if someone said to me 10 years ago, would you be, not 10 years ago, five years ago, that John Jones retires as a single weight world champion? I would say, yeah, I probably would be surprised by that because his greatness deserves two belts. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps his legacy. It cements his legacy. Yeah, he yeah. just he's, he's good. Like if if Conor McGregor can be a two world world champion, if DC can be a two way world champion, John Jones most certainly can be a two way world champion. He's better than both those guys. So yeah. if the world if the world was fair, and you know, obviously life is more complicated than that. John Jones is a two way world champion. Yeah, I completely agree. One of the ways I kind of see this playing out <laughs> is. Even the way we're talking about it, it's very similar to when GSP fought Michael Bisping. You know, we kind of looked at GSP as like, oh, like he's the GOAT coming in this fight, but is he going to be able to translate there? You know, he's getting a little older. We don't know if he's going to be able to hold up. And I kind of see it finishing the same way as well. You know, Gon's going to land his strikes. He's going to cut up Jones a little bit. We're going to see Jones probably at his weakest state and at some points in this fight. But, you know, John is John. He's probably going to get it done. I see it similar to Grayson, probably a championship round finish. I'm going to say like a fourth round rear naked choke, similar to how uh, GSP got it done. I just see a lot of dualities between the two fights. Like maybe not so much fight style, but just like the resume and the legacy of like GSP to John and how Bisbing was um, to Gon. It just, it feels like it matches up very evenly. So I, I would say Gon's resume is a little bit better than Michael Bisbing, but I understand the point you're trying to make. For all yeah. I was, um, I was about to go with, um, I was about to go with Cyril Gone, but Zach kind of just reminded me of the uh, that GSP Bisping thing. So now I don't know. I'm not sure now. This is a good point. It could play out the exact same way, to be honest, but I don't know. Uh, I think, do you know what? I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go with Cyril Gunn. I think John Jones taking off too much time. I don't know what he's going to look like. Oh, I'll play it safe and go with Gunn, man. Let's go. Probably by decision. Oh, you know, I, so I, I You think he could beat John five rounds, dude? No, I think he might win like three of them, and then it might be a three-two fight. It might, okay. I think it'll be a close fight. I the just... one thing I will admit that backs you on this that will help you is I do believe in the Dominic Reyes and the Thiago Santos fight. John got that extra nod for a win because you have to beat the champ. And yeah. he's not the champ right now. So I think yeah. the judging might be a little more 500. It might be, yeah. And also, um, I just I don't want to predict John getting finished. I just can't do that. Soul won't allow me to do that. So yeah. I know going by decision sounds wild, but, you know, we'll see. Fahan, that's will... interesting from you because you normally root for the bad guy. Yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> And Cyril Gunn is definitely not the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, can we all agree though that that him saying he doesn't train in between camps is complete bullshit? Oh, bullshit! 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 Wait, I am um, level so quickly without training your ass off. I yeah. want John Jones to win. Don't get me wrong. I want him to win. I'm rooting for John, but I just don't. I don't see it. I believe in. I believe in ring rust to an extent. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a thing, man. I think it is a thing. You do. So see it's it. it's one million percent a thing, and I know Dominic Cruz like. Says it's not. It's definitely a fucking thing, bro. Like a hundred percent. You don't. You, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know, and that's a big saying. Um, the only other thing I will say in support of John is my media, my social media has been fucking flooded with John Jones memories right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, he's brought in some hammers at heavyweight with like 
uh, uh, Castro and Walt Harris, and there's another one I, I'm not I'm not remembering off the top of my head. You know that he's training with, just straight killers. And I sent Zach, I sent Zach this thing about with with Henry Cejudo last night. I can't remember the point I was trying to make with it, but basically just like John being open to like the hard training, understanding you know everything, and he says like I'm surrounding myself with other great mm-hmm. fighters, and when you surround yourself with great fighters, great things happen. You know, so yeah. I. I yeah. It's going to be interesting. I do think the power of Gon is going to scare him a little. I think when John eats that first yeah. punch, he's going to be like, well, this ain't like heavyweight anymore, you know? Don't you think those guys he's brought in, they're not the correct body type, though? You can't, yeah. you're not going to find the compatible sparring partner for Cyril. Yeah, there's one Cyril Gon, dude. Yeah. There's yeah. one Cyril Gon, but I feel like he could have brought in like a 6'4 guy somewhere. I think his mindset was more of getting strong dudes to get his wrestling right. Um, I think I think that was more what his mindset was because yeah. their striking is not as good as Gone, but I would say Walt Harris is stronger than Gone. Like he's more of a muscular build and like wrestler strength than Gone, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, one of the things I, I want to. Sorry to cut you off, Musim, but yeah. one of the one of the things I wanted to build off on when we brought up, you know, fighters saying like, you know, I don't really train. I think. To like the average viewer, they get misconstrued with this like point of view. Look, everyone knows that these fighters go into camps and they train towards their strengths. Like they're going in and training to the best of their ability that they know how to. When I see fighters say like like Ryan Spann the last time he fought, or even gone now coming out and saying like, oh, you know, I'm finally starting to take this seriously. I'm starting to train. When they say that, all that tells me is they never studied their opponents mm-hmm. as much. They only focused on their strengths. So. Yeah, I guess now looking back through John Jones tape is going to help you a little, but this isn't even the same John you're going to be looking at. So if you game plan for a light heavyweight John, that may only hurt you in the long run because he's going to come out with a completely different tool set because he's garnished his whole heavyweight career on bringing you down. So it's a it, you pretty much have to start from scratch. You might as well not even said, I'm still not training for this fight because regardless, nothing's really nothing you study is probably going to like match up the same. Obviously he's going to have his favorite strikes and combinations that he's probably going to fall back on when the going gets tough, when that kind of fatigue sets in that kind of flow state that Alon Cruz always talks to us about um, back when, back when we trained. But I mean, I, I don't know, man, I don't understand why fighters feel the need to come out and say that because it, it's not like it impresses anyone like, Oh, talent got you that far. It only makes me think like, Oh, you're just going to get dog walked like against an actual quality fighter. But I think the last thing I want to I wanted to state real quick is from that uh the thing I was talking about with Henry Sudo. Henry Sudo says in the in the in the YouTube, whatever the fuck it is, he says the thing about John that makes him so scary is not only of how great a fighter he is, he's an even better competitor. And I mm-hmm. think that is very true. I think mm-hmm. even if he's not a better striker than Serial Gone, he's a better competitor and he's going to make it more of his style of fight. You know, and that's what John does so well. Is he's he he I mean he submitted Leota Machida, who had way better jiu-jitsu than him. He's knocked out guys who had way better striking than him. So I think that's going to really <clears throat> be a, a, an issue. On the other end, something I forgot we haven't even brought up, Alexander Gustafson never got dropped other than Anthony Johnson and John Jones in, at light heavyweight. And then he got killed when he ate punches at heavyweight. So that might be something to think about, too, with John coming up. Interesting. Yeah, I think both of these guys are complicated puzzles to fight against, but I think John Jones is more likely to crack Cyril Gunn's puzzle before Cyril Gunn cracks John Jones's puzzle. And I think the, I think what you might end up seeing is a boring couple of rounds. 
Because both these guys like to get a read of their opponent. So you might see a stand. We were me and Fahan were saying this yesterday. Yeah. You might end up seeing a like a Texas stand where they're just kind of staring at each other, yeah. like while Romero Israel, like, maybe not as bad, but there is a risk of this fight being very boring. Yeah. Um to to your point about um Gustafsson getting killed at heavyweight, um he lost to Fabricio, right? I can't remember how that fight went exactly, but I just remember him getting submitted. Did he get, like, rocked by punches as well? I believe in both of his heavyweight fights, he got dropped in the first round. But did he have two fights at heavyweight? Yeah, he had two. He did one, shit the bed, retired, and then came back and then got murked again. What a guy. What a bad return from retirement. Imagine, like, thinking you still got some left in the tank and then the guy you get up against just beats the shit out of you. You're like, all right, maybe. Like, um, Gustav, <laughs> like, uh, Gus's like, mentality was definitely not as good as John Jones. Uh, yeah. And also that he was he was getting finished by, like, everyone in the last few. Well, I was talking more of the aspect of his chin going up to mm. the power. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, but you kind of look at, some fighters and like it's true like there are some fights that completely compromise your chin i think of tied to ivasa how much damage he took against gone not given sergey pavlovich is a fucking monster and just baptized him with a single punch but you'd think like he'd be able to take one or two i look at uh tony ferguson tony ferguson got murdered by justin gaethje that was one of the hardest watches i've ever had to sit through and then goes up against michael chandler one swift head kick nearly sent him to the afterlife. Okay, that head kick would have killed anybody, though. Okay, but for Tony, like, you really just see Tony kind of being the guy to just, like, dude, he took bombs from Gaethje that I thought no man on earth would be able to walk through. So when he fought Chandler, I was like, oh, shit, like, he's about to be a human punching bag for a round and a half, and then he's going to, like, submit Chandler. Now, given Chandler did do some Captain Falcon-type kick right there to send that man, but regardless, I think there are some fights in your career similar to Gustafson who like his chin just got compromised after a couple fights. Like, it's just like the more you go on journeyman or not, like you only have a certain amount of bullets in the tank or in the Mac. Like you can't be taking that much damage to start your career. It's going to come up and bite you in the ass. So, you know, I don't think this is going to be a, an implication in our main event fight. I don't think either of these guys have that do issue, you, but do you see John getting like flash knocked out within a minute? Just cause the fuck no. Fuck no. I don't think Gong wins a strike in a minute. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, one. Three leg kicks and then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, One thing I see Gong doing very well is that kind of like front kick right under the gut on heavyweights that he lands a lot. Yeah, that TP. Oh my God. He's he's one of the best I've ever seen on it. I definitely see him getting a couple of those off on John to kind of irritate him because John's going to be looking for the leg kick right away. So that kick up the middle is probably going to land more often than not because he's like, all right, at least it's hit me in the gut, not in the leg. Obviously, over time, it's going to be like, all right, that kind of fucking hurts well, now. That like, kick up the middle also threatens the wrestling. You're not going to shoot yeah. if a fucking foot's coming at your face. Yeah, exactly. So I see that playing a huge part um, in Gon's game plan. But then again, you know, kickboxers are fucking weird, man. They do a lot of weird shit. You just Hey, but we're talking about John being the GOAT. Let's move on to our co-main event where we have, in my opinion, arguably a female GOAT and, in my opinion, a top 10 fighter of both men and women of all time in Valentina Chevchenko. She's defending her flyweight world title, coming in at 23-3 and three from Kyrgyzstan, if I pronounce that incorrectly. I'm sorry. And Wait, she's defending Kyr- it. Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those, like, almost Russian countries. <laughs> and she's fighting Alexa Grasso, who's 15-3 and three from Mexico. Before I go, I mean, we can obviously talk about Shevchenko's resume all day. 
Grasso's low-key a UFC vet. I, I never even really heard of this girl, but, I mean, she's been in the UFC since 2016, and she's 7-3 and three in the UFC and was a 4-0 uh, champ in Invicta. And for those of you that don't know Invicta, it was kind of – it's an all-women's fight league, and I would compare it to, like, the WEC back in the day. Like, it's it's yeah. very fucking solid. I, I've had a team – I've had two teammates that fought in Invicta, and they were both badass girls. Three of her four knockouts ended in 36 seconds or less. And her first three pro fights lasted a combined 63 seconds. So, I mean, this girl's got a resume. Yeah. I just don't see anyone that's last name isn't Nunez ever beating Chevchenko, in my opinion. Yeah. Probably not going to happen either. The, the way I kind of view this, now, for Shevchenko, this is probably going to be her hardest matchup striking-wise. You know, Grasso is probably one of the best boxers um, in this flyweight division. You know, she has amazing hands. We've seen it from how many finishes she has and how quick she's able to put fighters away but Valentina is kind of a different breed in terms of just an overall fighter I mean she can win fights by any means necessary I know we've kind of fallen in love um with her kind of ballerina-esque like kickboxing style but you know she can take it to the ground if she needs to I just don't see I just don't see Grosso really standing a chance overall. I mean, in the odds prove out, I mean, she's plus 460 and Valentina's minus 610. So, obviously, if you're throwing money on this fight, don't throw a lot on Grasso, man, because shit may not work out for you. But, I mean, like you said, the resume speaks for itself in Valentina's sense. But I will bring up something that happened yesterday on the MMA Hour. You know, Chael Sonnen went live and he was pissed as fuck at Valentina. Like, he was just mad. And he was talking about how, like, you know, Valentina complained about how she demanded to have uh, a co-main event and that originally, like, she was pissed off that other fighters were on the card despite her being a champion and, you know, with her resume, she should be up there herself. And then Shale came out and said, you're a terrible marketer. Like, you never market yourself. Like, no wonder no one wants to put you up there. It's the same reason why Benil hasn't been getting a title shot yet. You're just, you're not good at marketing yourself. Like, I get your fighting, like, from a fighting standpoint, that should be able to market itself, but Dude, if you're not out there getting fans interested in you, you can be the best fighter in the world. I know a, a crackhead street boxer that Zach, might I might, put a, I might be a little against you on this one, brother. I might dude, be a tiny bit. I agree she doesn't yourself. like shit talk and stuff, but she murders everyone. But she's she has not, no marketability. Benil's winning, Benil's winning some boring fights. Like She's Russian, so she has that whole – well, whatever. I'm sorry that that's racist, but she's like basically Russian. Okay? And then she's a ballerina, so she gets all that fucking story behind her. She has a goddamn handgun tattooed behind her because she's going to fucking shoot you and kill you. And she kills everyone. She doesn't need to market. When you you're watch t- her, you know, somebody's <laughs> going to die. Bro, your two marketing points where she has a tattoo and she's a ballerina. That's because that she's really a savage, but she also has a soft side. Oh, my. Okay, then you market her like that. You you go sounds out there like, and... Um, sounds like Valentina is your ex, man. I don't know what's going I would, on. I, I would let Valentina beat the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. Her and Thug Rose, I would let them beat the shit out of me. Uh, I think dude, you're, I yeah. you're not going to talk. You better have a country behind you. I think that's the problem with Valentina because GSP didn't really talk. Really. I mean, I was not impressed with your performance, but, you know, he had the whole <laughs> behind him, right? Um, who else is a good example? Islam is a bit confusing. Like Khabib. I, I, the Muslims, yeah. I know this is about to say, and I hope I never meet Islam Makachev, but he strikes me as a slow reader. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just not very bright. And that kid in class that takes two hours to read a sentence, yeah. So. You know the kid in class where everyone's like moans when the teacher calls him to read their, <laughs> up the book, like, ah, oh, 
Let me do it for him. Oh man, we can't make fun of Johnny though, because he will beat the shit out of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw um I saw what you were talking about, Zach the uh, Chael on an uh, aerial show. Mm. I think I think Chael was just being a dick. I can't lie. I just it was it was a good point, but he was being overly a dick. Like he was making fun of Aerial Studio and say it's a basement, and then and he he's going really like WWE like style on it, like talking about Valentina. By the way, him saying I pushed more juice than Tropicana was the funniest line I've ever heard in my entire life. And then he goes and says I pushed more juice than Tropicana, and John moved me like a Mack truck. So. And and that he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, you got the same. We had the same guy or whatever. We had the same stuff. <laughs> we have the yeah. same secret. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, going back, uh, back to this, I just can't see one. One, the thing that made me a huge Valentina fan, like the fight, was uh, when she fought Andrea, because the whole going into that fight was Valentina has to stop the takedowns. She has to keep it on the feet. She has to keep it on the feet. Like if Valentina gets taken down, that's where Andrea's ground and pound is going to come in. And you know what Valentina did? She went out there and she took Andrea down and beat the shit out of her. She literally was like, I'm going to find what you are absolutely best at in your game, and I'm going to beat you that way. And to me as a fighter, that is the most disrespectful shit in the entire fucking world. Is when you know you have a strength, and the person you're fighting, like that's supposed to be their weakness, and they beat you at your own strength. That's when I fell in love with Valentina. I would love for her to win this fight, and then her and Nunez dance again at 35. I think it'd be awesome. Um, I just I, – I don't see many ways for Grasso to win. I think she has to sleep her. Um, I think everything she's going to bring to the table, Valentina's seen before. And there's one thing I want to explain to you guys that is is you understand it a lot more when you're a competitor. There's two ways you go into a fight. You go into a fight to win, and you go into a fight to survive. And when you go into survive, you don't win. And I think Grasso, and that's a lot – that's a big issue with – when you fight people like John, Valentino, George St. Pierre, Khabib, people don't go in there and fight to win. They fight to survive. And if you fight to survive, you're not going to win. So I think the only way Grasso can win is if she fights to win. And that's and I know it sounds stupid, and you might not get what I'm saying, but like it's a very fucking real thing. You either fight to win or you fight to survive. And when you fight to survive, it usually doesn't go your way. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you look at all of like Valentina's last few uh like competitors, the only one that really brought it was uh Talia Santos. The rest were kind of just there to just survive. Or, she you know. arguably won that fight. Yeah, she arguably won. Yeah, I think I think we should make a bigger point about that. Like, do you guys follow Verdict MMA? Uh, I I see them when they pop up every now and then. So they do they they, they do, do like the the judging with like all the MMA stuff, right? They do crowd judging. So yeah. the idea is if you have a big enough sample size, then you'll probably get the right answer, right? And then rather than doing a 10-8 must system, it's a variable score for each round, right? Which seems like a better system, but in term, unless you're the UFC and you have a huge budget, it's not really practical for smaller organizations to use it, right? However, I think on verdict, Talia won. And when I watched that... Was it close or was it like like 8 to 10? Or... I, can't, I can't remember. I'll have to pull it up. Um, if you guys talk about it and what you think about that, I'll pull up the verdict for Tyler Santos. I don't remember this fight. I know that sounds really bad on my part. I really don't remember that fight, though. Was it recent? Oh, it was her last fight. It was at UFC uh, 275, uh, June 2022. It was, uh, it was Valentina's last fight. She won split decision. Oh, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the, the I didn't watch this card between... That no, was like, I did. I didn't watch this card. I did watch this card. 
Okay. Oh my god, I remember this fight. I do remember this fight. Yep. So according to Verdict MMA, Valentina Shevchenko had this fight. a point two higher score than Santos, right? However, also according to Verdict MMA, Talia Santos won the first three rounds. Yes, yeah, because of wrestling, correct? What didn't yeah. she come out and take her down off the bat, and then she like kind of manhandled her with wrestling? Yeah, I remember yeah. this fight very well. I remember this fight very well. Yeah, I thought that. Damn, I, I forgot about it. Uh, but yeah, Alexa Grasso, she's not going to do that to. Uh, no, she can't take her down. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, I'm thinking that Valentina's going to be like, oh, that last performance wasn't that great, and now she's going to come out like savage Valentina again. Grasso's fucked. Let's just be real about it. She's yeah. fucked. Oh, Grasso's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's they're, fucked. they're just using this fight to get a murder before the main event. Yeah. yeah. And then Blanchfield is the best bet, and then maybe a Santos rematch. Did you see, um, Valentina now, although Santos, Santos did get those the control, she still ate 234 significant strikes. I think those mostly came... She dominated the last two rounds. I think they came in the back end of the fight. I okay. think she gassed. Yeah, she got that effort in in the first three where she just ran out of steam completely. Damn, I completely forgot about this fight, guys. Good night. Ron, what were you saying? I was saying uh, the way Valentina described Blanchfield was pretty savage. She was like, um, she called her like a baby, a baby deer or something like that. She called uh, her cute. All I'm saying is when I watched the Blanchfield Andrade fight, I thought this is going to prove whether Blanchfield uh, can really contend with the best girls in that division. And I was blown away because she kind of did the same thing where Valentina did. Where she was like, we know Andrade is better on the feet, but is she going to be able to stop Blanchfield's takedowns? Dude, Blanchfield straight up beat her in striking in the first round and then was like, all right, time to end this fight in the second. Like, she went out there to prove a point. That was not just, I'm going Blanchfield's to win a fight. a bad bitch, bro. She's a bad bitch. If, if anyone is going to give Valentina a run for her money, Blanchfield has got my money all day, any day. All day, any day. I don't think she's bad enough yet, but. Oh, yeah, no, no. No, exactly. But I think she also knows that. I think she knows she needs, like, another win or two and, and start – tightening up her game. The thing is, though, is when she fought, I didn't really know Blanchfield, and then she fought Molly Meatball, and then she what landed, I think it was 300 to zero or something like that in significant <laughs> like strikes. a minute and a half. Yeah, and, and I was like, holy yeah. fucking shit. And obviously, like, Molly Meatball is not on Valentina's level, but she's still a UFC fighter. And to just manhandle a woman like that, and then like Zach said, she goes out there and just dismantles Andrea. It was like, this girl's fucking legit. Now, I agree, uh, Moose, and she's not there yet. No. But it's a good it's a good light at the end of the tunnel for her. The problem is she's already like number one or two, mm-hmm. so That's she can't. So she's got nowhere to go. She has to keep going up. So she has to fight Santos next, or yeah, probably Santos. So I kind of, I kind of see it in the same situation what they did with Sean O'Malley, where like they should have taken a little more time, but then they immediately threw him to Peter Yan, and yeah, sure he got the win or whatever. But now it's kind of like, well, if you want to sustain his hype. You can't let him fight Marab. You can't let him fight Alja. You can't let him fight anyone else other than another striker who we can contend with. Because if you let him fight a wrestler, I mean, even Jan was taking him down pretty easily. If you let him fight a wrestler or a, even a jiu-jitsu grappler, like he's, it's going to get ugly for him, in my opinion, at least. So it's, I don't know how they're going to keep his hype going. Um, I mean, best case scenario, what I wanted, we talked about it before. I think Aljo moves up a division to clear the way for Marab to win the title. But what Dana does is he has a rematch between Cheeto and Sean for the interim title. That's kind of how I see it. I know it's we got like a little fighting uh, Cejudo. Yeah, yes, yeah, is. but I think it's his last one. It'll be his last one. Yeah, oh, really? his last one. Okay. He can't, he can't make him. Make him in, uh, 
Uh, I don't think so. But I met Aljo in April. I trained with him. I went to, I was in Vegas and I uh, trained at Syndicate MMA. They got, um, who's the, the fucking, the, the fucking gay guy that Patty beat? Ah, oh, what's his name? Gay Jordan Levitt. I'm, I oh, trained yeah. with, he's not actually gay, but like, um, I, I trained with him. I trained with Aljo and I'm a 45er. I walk around like 175 and Aljo was way bigger than me. And I remember being like, how the fuck does this guy make 30? I could never make 35. I would die. I, I die making 45. You know, I cut 30 pounds and he was bigger than me. And I was like, holy fuck. I can't even imagine how, how awful that cut is for him. So I understand why he wants to move up. I mean, as you age too, like your body just can't make that weight cut anymore. I mean, even recently we've been have we've been seeing issues with weight cuts with fighters. You look at Islam, Islam having this whole IV scandal, which by the way, I think got pushed under the rug way too quickly, but I'm sure other fighters are doing that shit as well. Like see, Chael was talking about it. He was like, I know, I know if he if he did it or not, but he didn't say. But then he was calling the woman a piece of shit for even mentioning it. So Dude, his own fucking manager tweeted and was like, oh, well, you're allowed to do this. And everyone's like, no, you're not. And then he deleted the tweet. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit, fuck. The UFC, the UFC essentially admitted that it happened because they released a clarification on their rules for IVs. Mm-hmm. If there was no story, there would be no clarification, in my opinion. 100%. What's, yeah. what's interesting is Chael said that people use IVs to flush out the uh, PEDs. No. Oh shit! Well, the way I was looking at it is, you know, we're in. A, when it comes to combat sports like wrestling, kickboxing, MMA, anything in that regard, they want to eliminate weight cut. That's like the whole thing. Like, they yeah. want to get rid of weight cutting. And in my opinion, you're never going to get rid of it because even in one FC with the hydration test, what guys are doing is they're cutting weight, and then right before the hydration test, they're killing a gallon of water so their pee is clear and healthy, and then they just cut that weight again real quick. You're never going to get rid of weight cuts, in my opinion. As much as it is, it's bad, but. And you're not forcing anyone to; they're they're choosing to do it. You know, they're they're grown ups. But when it comes to wanting to get rid of weight cut, you you implement how hard you are, and then you know the UFC started doing what two weeks out, they started testing your hydration and levels and stuff now. But then you're gonna allow IV, which basically instantly replenishes you of your your hydration. So if I know I can get an IV and I know oh I can instantly rehydrate, I might start thinking about going to thirty five because yes, I'm going to feel like death but my recovery is going to be so much faster, you know? So you're, in my opinion, kind of pushing a little bit more for a harder weight cut. If you, if you let IV slide. Yeah. Not only that, one of the things that I thought was a bigger issue is it wasn't, it wasn't just that the UFC clarified the commission that they were in, which was in Australia, doesn't allow for any IVs anyway. Like it was a no IV policy at all. And the fact that they clarified it, which pretty much admitted he did it, it didn't matter because the commission straight up said like, we don't allow that here. Like we're not, we don't support that. We're not allowing that. And he did it anyway. And they're just like, Nope, no yeah. issue. Like number, you know what his punishment was? They kept him at number two. They were, yeah. Oh, you use an IV. Yeah. Here we're going to keep you at number two. So, I mean, regardless, I, I think it was stupid to begin with the fact that his manager kind of threw him under the rug was complete bullshit. But I mean, that's usual maybe, Ali shit right there though, dude. Yeah. Dude, fuck that guy. Jesus Christ. But let's move on to this next fight. You know, I'm, you want to talk about up-and-coming fighters. You want to talk about guys that deserve some recognition. Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal. Shavkat, by the way, straight murderer. Straight murderer. I This dude scares me. I would have nightmares about this man. The photo he has, like, in, like, the Russian mountains with, like, his sniper, and he's just standing there, and he's like, yeah, and my, uh, he's like, when I'm not fighting, I'm killing. He's like, so I just kill all the time. I'm like, okay, dude, like, you, you're just, 
you were built in a lab like that plain and simple there's nothing else around it this is one of those fights similar to the shevchenko where it's going to be he's going to win via whatever fucking way he wants to it plain and simple i don't jeff neal great striker i respect jeff neal shavkat can do whatever he wants in this fight i'm sorry that's just kind of how i see it grayson you seem to have an issue with that yo listen i think shavkat is going to win I think he is better than Kamzat. And yeah, you know what? Fuck me if you think against me. I think it goes back to what Zach said. He's not very marketable. He's a very nice guy. He doesn't shit talk, blah, blah. But I'm so fucking tired of the Jeff Neal hate. I'm so fucking tired of it. This dude has taken every fucking hard fight they have given him, and he's never backed down. I mean, dude, he's fought Bilal, Nico Price, Mike Perry, Wonderboy, Neil Magny, fucking Pozina Bibio, whatever the hell you say his name, Vincente Luque, like, this dude is not back down, and, and they have thrown every single guy in the top 15 to fight Shavkat, and they all backed down. And Jeff Neal was like, I'm hurt right now. Give me an extra four weeks, and I got it. And they took it. You know, I'm fucking so tired of this Jeff Neal hate. On top of that, Jeff Neal fights out of Fortis MMA in Texas, which, by the way, fun fact, Darren Williams, the former NBA player, is a co-owner of. And they won 2022 MMA Gym of the Year at, for by MMA Junkie. So you don't think they know a thing or two about a thing or two? Do I think Jeff Neal is going to win? No. But Jeff Neal, and you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Neal does not get finished in this fight. It's a um, it's a bad time to fight Jeff Neal because he beat the shit out of Vicente Luque. Mm-hmm. Right? And the commentary team were saying that um, before the Vicente Luque fight, Jeff Neal decided to go on some... Jorge Masvidal style reevaluation of life kind of trip, which is why he was so determined. And we know how that went last time someone decided to reevaluate their life. Imagine this is the start of another Jorge Masvidal story. I'm not saying it's going to be. I think Shavkat Rachmanov is going to sit on him and do what he wants eventually. However, it is a bad time to fight Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal's a very good fighter. I just think. These guys, anyone whose name ends with of, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not good for you because I'm pretty okay. Did you guys ever see the film Spy Kids? Yeah, yes, I think Habib, Hamza, Shavka. I'm pretty sure these guys are some in some like Eastern European version of that, like growing up. Genuinely, imagine that comes out in 10 years that all this time all these kids were part of like some Eastern European child army, right? Where the and that explains why they're so stone cold. I mean, you could knock out a thumb person. You, they they don't have brains. You can't knock out a thumb person. But I, you look at Shavka, bro. He's sixteen and zero. Eight. First of all, nine first round finishes. He has eight wins by submission and eight wins by knockout. So he's he literally going to the third round. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Ne- never, never, <laughs> never. Like I love Jeff Neal. Respect the man. Can only ever say good things about him. It, Grace, we talked about it the other day. Some guys just don't give a fuck who they fight, but they're not fighting for legacy. They're just fighting to fight. And this is one of those things where Jeff Neal doesn't care about his legacy, and he's probably going to lose. <laughs> like, I, like, look, am, do I think he's going to make this competitive? I hope. I can't say he will, but I hope. I, I'm praying he makes this competitive, because if not, Shavkat might as well just, like, dog walk to the number one contender spot in this in this. Um, yeah, I think Shavka will win as well, but you know it's a big step up in competition for sure. And also, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you say Jeff like Mike Perry says it, his name does end in of Geoff. So. <laughs> yeah, from I actually I was waiting for you to say something. I wanted to know what you think about this fight. Yeah, I, I think Shavka will probably win, 
like he's a six to one favorite for a reason, which is crazy. I don't think he should be six to one, but yeah, I see him probably. I like what you said about him uh, not getting the finish. I would probably like to see that. I'd like to see it be a competitive fight and like keep Shavkat's momentum, but Jeff Neal, you know, looks good losing, I guess, because I do like Jeff Neal as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think Shavkat will win, but. Is, I think is... if I had to like, I, I feel like it's going to be, excuse me, I think it's going to be, you remember Jeff Neal has 86% takedown defense, which is, a very important statistic when it comes to this fight, okay? If not the most important statistic. Rakma Shavat, whatever the hell his name is, Shavkat, he's a Sambo fighter. He's going to want to take him to the ground. Now, I'm, I'm not saying his striking is ugly. He trains out of fucking Kill Cliff in Deerfield Beach with uh, Henry Hooft, who's probably, you know, Polish striking legend, probably the best striking coach in the world. But I think it's going to be round one. Shavkat's going to go out there. He can't get his takedown. And he's going to eat a little bit, but he'll get it like at the end of the first round. Kind of like a Gaethje Khabib first round. And then I think slowly he starts wearing down Jeff. And then by the third round, it's kind of just him just killing him. But I, I think, dude, I'm telling you, I'm not even like a Jeff Neal fan. I just think fighters need respect. And they, for some reason, they never fucking put respect on this guy's name. He's the yeah. only one that took this fight. Everyone else said no. He said yes. He's the only one. And it's it's not even, it's a lose-lose fight for him. He, he fights it and he loses, which is probably going to happen. Or he wins it, he beats a number 10 guy. He doesn't even go up. You know, so you got to give credit where credit's due. These guys letting his fucking nuts hang. And I props to him for that, bro. I, I hope he wins. You know, I'm always cheering for the United States guys. But I just don't see – I don't think he gets finished, though. I really don't think so. Yeah. We shall I, see. I mean, we yeah, shall I got see. nothing more to say. I mean, moving on to our next fight um, – this, this is actually is one of the, the fights I called. Fight. Yeah. Yeah, I called this happening. Um, Gamrot, Turner. Gamrot opening up as a minus 215 favorite. Turner plus 185. Turner, 10th ranked fighter right now in the lightweight division. Gamrot at number seven. Look, I love Gamrot. His last fight was beautiful, technically. Unfortunately, you know, he just had an unfortunate loss. I think, is Turner coming off a loss as well? No, Turner's a five-fight win streak. He just killed fucking... Um... He just killed uh guys not Drew Dober, um Riddell, Riddell, Riddell. Riddell, yeah, he just beat Brad Riddell, yeah. Yeah, so that was back in July. Gamrot, you know, he, look, he fought amazingly against uh Benil. Benil, obviously title contender, so not a bad person to lose to. Shows that you know you can probably hang with anyone in that division. But you know, Turner Turner's got some fucking hands, man. He, that dude can throw some bombs so dude, also I, turner is 6'3 at 155 pounds i don't Jesus know if you guys Christ. understand how ridiculous that is what the fuck do you have 510 and he's I've literally played. a spider i think this fight to me on this whole card is my favorite fight outside of the john jones fight this fight is fucking awesome dude this is so awesome yeah i mean i'm known as a mm. Jalen turner hater so i'm picking gamrock Wow! Wait, 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 wait! Explain, explain the Jalen Turner hate. I, I got, I got to know where this stems from. <laughs> so the story is, <laughs> before Paddy Pimlet's last performance, before his last performance, I picked Paddy Pimlet to beat Jalen Turner. And okay, so you're giving me that look, right? <laughs> right. And here's my argument towards it, right? Now, am I saying Paddy Pimlet definitely beats Jalen Turner? No. 
But do I see do I see a world where Paddy Pimlick can beat Jalen Turner? Yes, because I don't see Jalen Turner as this world beater just because he's on a five and no win streak. I see a very tall, lightweight who uses his advantage advantages. But I also see a guy who can be susceptible to body shots and takedowns because of his height at that weight. And I think Gamrat will probably expose that. He has almost a 100% finish rate. And one thing I want to look at that I think is extremely important for this fight is the ground game of both these guys. I mean, first of all, Jalen Turner has a 78% takedown defense and he's a BJJ brown belt, which is very good, and four submissions. So he's not scared of the ground whatsoever. And Gamrot, everyone talks about his wrestling, right? Because his wrestling is gorgeous. That's like what he's known for. He's a Polish and European ADCC champion. So his jiu-jitsu is also fucking certified. Mm. So I think this is going to be a very, very – dude, I'm telling you, when this fight got announced, I was like, Woo! like, holy shit, this is going to be a banger. Um, yeah. it's probably I the don't most really evenly matched fight on the card, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. Which is fun. That's what we want. I want I don't know who's going to win. I want Jalen Turner to win too. I like Jalen Turner. I don't dislike Gamrot. But I think, you know, the age, what Jalen Turner is like, what, 27? Gamrot's 31, I think. Yeah. Nah. Oh, I'm, yeah picking, I'm picking Gamrot just to continue pissing people off on the internet. Now, Gamrot's the favorite. I'm picking Gamrot too, but I want Jalen to win because Jalen's just more exciting to me. Because uh, I haven't really seen a guy that lanky and tall at 155 before, and I want to see how he does. You know, I'm kind of stuck in this phase where I think if Gamrot wins, he's stuck in that like gatekeeping phase in divisions. Like, there's a lot of guys that'll probably never contend for a belt, but they'll hold a lot of guys off from the top yeah. five. He missed that boat because he lost to Benil, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so you you kind of get – and that's got to be one of the shittiest positions to be in. Like, I look at Dustin Poirier. Like, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje probably beat anyone else in their division. They're in the worst position ever, bro. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're just going to sit there for the rest of their lives because they're going to be like, yeah, I can beat everyone else except the guy ahead of me. So I'll just, you know, enjoy myself. Um, But, yeah, Gamrock, kind of same position. I, I'm kind of on the same boat as you guys. Like, I want Turner to win. Just because I feel like if he does win, you know, that builds up another kind of hype train for like a potential uh, title contender at some point in his career. Like we said, he's still very young. You know, he still has a lot of time to develop. He's kind of entering his prime years at this point. Gamrot, little, little older. So he's kind of on the downtrend as of late. But, you know, if I'm going to put my money on this fight, I'm probably going to lean towards Gamrot, though. That's just, that's just how I feel. I would not – I think Gamrod is going to win a three-round decision. I would not be surprised if Turner went out there and hit him with something crazy that slept him and everyone was like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, every card has their holy shit moment. And, I mean, this this could probably be it. I mean, because, honestly, I don't see it being Grosso. I mean, I mean, hey, it could be could be Jeff Neal. Neal, Neal could be the one that just hits <laughs> Shopcott with something crazy. But then again, like you said, doesn't help his case even if he does. So, I mean, maybe this is our oh shit of the main card. But there is one more fight on the main card we have yet to talk oh, about. I could give two fucks about. Yeah, let me just put it this way. You want to talk about um, getting ass cans your whole career? Uh, that's what Bo Nichols going to be like. He, th this man probably is never going to be challenged until he's probably at a number five contender spot or like a number 10 spot. I just think he's kind of in the same position as like Rosas Jr. where Dana's like, oh my God, I need to milk the shit out of this cow since Patty Pimblett's hype train took a mace, major blow in his last uh, quote unquote win. So yeah, they don't, they haven't even announced the odds for this fight. And I'm pretty sure it's because there isn't even 
a quantifiable number that you can put on how easily Bo Nickel is going to dismantle Jamie Pickett. Now, no offense to Jamie Pickett. You are in the UFC. You're a great fighter. You are just going to have to be the sacrificial lamb for Bo Nickel. That's just, that's just how it is. Everyone, ha- everyone has to be the sacrificial lamb at some point. And you're that guy this time around. So sorry for you. Wishing them the best. Hopefully yeah, this are, gets you some money. What are y'all's thoughts on Bo Nickel so far? I think it would be really fun if we found out he had no chin. Mm. <laughs> How fun would that be? Because we know he's going to out-wrestle people, but it could be like an Amir Khan kind of style situation in boxing. We're like, this guy's amazing until he just gets hit. That would be fun if that was Bo Nickel, you know? What if, um, what if Jamie Pickett's like uh, Jared Gordon? We just never... We never saw it. No, dude. When it comes to wrestling, there's there's levels to this shit. And Bo Nichols world class. There's no one there. I would I would go out on a limb and say he's the most credentialed wrestler in MMA right now. That's how good his wrestling. Like like there's MMA wrestling and then there's regular wrestling, and he is probably the most credentialed wrestler in MMA on pure wrestling. What's his per- I don't we don't know much about him in the UK yet. What's his personality like? Is he good on the mic? So that's dick. what I was gonna say. Dickhead. I fucking hate him. I am yeah. a very big Bo Nickel hater. Complete dickhead. He's a douchebag. He's super cocky. Like I have buddies that wrestle like on the same level as him, like very high level. They all hate him. He's just like a fucking. He's just the kid that's been better than everyone since he was nine. And instead of being like very grateful and thankful, he's just like fuck you. I'm better than you. He seemed okay on um uh, food truck diaries. With Brendan, yeah, but everyone can see okay when the camera is on. Like I'm an asshole, but when the cameras are on, I'm a nice guy, you know. So. Do, you, do you guys like uh, Brendan Sharp? I'm fifty fifty on him. Fifty fifty on him. Yeah, I, I mean, because I... he's a comedian, so that's why I like him. But. Yeah, I feel like every friend group has their Brendan Shaw, like just the mm-hmm. air, just the air, <laughs> the airhead that you kind of have to like explain shit to, or like says something outlandish that you're like, dude, just shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, that might be I, me. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I'm worried about, I keep saying it's a pawn. I'm worried I'm becoming the UK's Brendan Shaw, and I just yeah, uh, you are, you are 100. Uh, uh, well, what does um, what does Kamaru Usman think of uh, John Jones or Cyril Gunn? What's Kamaru Usman's take? I like John. <laughs> John's a good fighter. Depends if he can go to that place, that dark place that you gotta go in fights. John, for the first five years of his career, he didn't even train for those fights. So imagine him now, the way I look at it. If I was John, I'll do some cocaine. <laughs> you just got to put campfire voice and you're doing Kamaru Usman. <laughs> you talk really slow. And just... yeah. Have a little crazy look in your eyes. Does, um, does Hamza Chimaev have an opinion or... Doesn't matter, but I smash everybody, brother. Who is this John Jones guy's brother? This crazy guy drives his car into pregnant women, brother. Get the shit with this, brother. Cyril Gam, brother. He eats biggest and dances the hip hop, brother. What is this, brother? Oh, God. I, I will say, I will say the one thing that the whole Russian bloodline does better than any other country they learn English before they learn how to fight, it seems like they're they know that, like, if they can't speak English they're probably not going to be like sold very well in the U.S. And that's where all the money's made for the UFC. Well, the English-speaking right. world is arrogant. Because very. the rest of the world works so hard to learn new languages, but English-speaking countries, we don't give a fuck because we just... Yeah, we <laughs> 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 you Yo, number one! 
I know we're running short on time, so I want to. I mean, we obviously went through all the big fights. I think we all agree Bo Nickel's gonna butt fuck Jamie Pickett. Yeah. Um, keeping on the Comzot train, th- there's rumors of Comzot versus Colby. There's also rumors of Comzot versus Whitaker. I personally think Comzot versus Whitaker is more realistic. I want to know what y'all think about those matchups and and how you think they would go down. I think uh, Hamzat versus Colby in a three round fight. I'd pick Hamza. If it's a five round, I'd pick Kobe. Same. I'm, I'm gonna listen. Yeah, I completely agree with that too. Yeah. Um I've loved love Kobe Covington. Um I love that he comes out to Kurt Angle. I love mm. that it's so obviously an act now. And I love that he still doesn't waver from it. But we've seen little sides of his humanity, like when he's trying to whisper stuff into Kamaru Isman's ear. At the end of the fight, I just love the whole thing. I love how fake it is, and we all know that. And he's a talented oh. fighter. I think the reason why I would pick Hamza against both of those guys is because I think Robert Whitaker's probably just about to enter the tail end of his career now. Um, I didn't really like what I saw from Robert Whitaker from at the recent events. I don't know if you guys noticed, he looked really out of shape. He looked like a he looked like he's getting ready for a career in like commentary. Yeah, that you're not wrong there, but I feel like I don't know. I I don't like Rob Whitaker slander personally. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I love Robert Whitaker, Whitaker, but I just think we've got to be realistic. And these new guys are coming, and when they do come, they come quite fast, you know, and they See, take over. Hey yo, hey yo, I come everywhere, brother. I <laughs> I come on all of these guys, brother. Ah, uh, no, dude, that that's like asking me to like acknowledge that like i'm getting older i just don't like it there are some fighters that like i just don't want to think about their career ending and rob's one of those guys where i just think i'm gonna watch him fight forever you know i i'm hoping and praying he somehow gets a shot against prayer because i do think he has a skill set to get it done i just think prayer is is his kryptonite per se but you know rob's one of those guys just such a good person you know great outside the octagon inside amazing fight even his last fight was beautiful like absolutely gorgeous. I thought if even if he would have signed the contract against um Paulo Costa, by the way, Paulo Costa, top five Twitter presence, uh maybe oh, he's all the time. best Twitter presence in MMA. Yeah, yeah. He gotta be up there easily. But regardless of that, I thought he would have murdered Paulo because the way Paulo looked against Luke Rockhold, I'm like, buddy, you show up like that against Rob. Rob's gonna beat the shit out of you. But you know. That's just kind of how I see it. I agree with Ferran, and I think if if Colby and Kamzat was three rounds, I'd give it to Kamzat. But we saw, I mean, even in the Gilbert Burns fight, he was dead at that pace going in the third round. And Colby does not get tired. If anything, I feel like Colby's pace gets higher in the championship rounds. Um, with Rob, I think the size of Kamzat would hurt him a little. But I think I don't think Kamzat could take him down, and I think Rob would be able to sit in the pocket and exchange and, and beat him. I think Kamzat's very talented, but I think he's very smart and when he picks his matchup stylistically. Like, he mm-hmm. talks a lot of shit and calls all these people out, but he's very hesitant when pen comes to paper, if you guys notice that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, wondering, well, what do you guys think about, um, well, obviously, yeah, the Derek Brunson-Drickers uh, fight. I think that's a pretty good fight, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually uh, a number of quality fights Um Oh, it's a good card, man. Yeah, yeah, really. it, yeah. Kind of sack. By the way, I, first I'll answer your question. I do think Duplessis is going to get it done against Brunson. You know, Brunson's another one of those guys where, like, he has some moments where he shows that he's really fucking good and he can always contend with some of the best. And then, there's Wait, if I'm fights. not mistaken, though, I believe this is Brunson's retirement fight. 
I think this is his last fight. Well, then he's definitely losing because Dana loves to just absolutely get his retirees murdered. Uh, I don't know what it is either. It's like, yeah, it, it, any guy that like announces their retirement yeah. before the fight immediately. It's a bad um, sign. Frank yeah. I didn't deserve that. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> you got murdered, dude. They're just like, you want to like, it's so funny too. Cause like they have all these commemorative videos. They're like, oh man, like, like here's how great his career was. And for the last fight of his career, you're going to watch him get beat into a pulp and never, ever walk the same again or may never yeah, have the that. same great. Like they give Ju- Junior DeSanto serial gone as his goodbye fight. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, I see, oh. uh, I see Derek Brunson just like kind of getting caught, probably panic wrestling and then either getting knocked out or getting submitted probably by a choke or something. Drykus uh, is 33-0 and with 30 knockouts in his amateur K1 kickboxing career. He's got like 18 submissions as well. In the yeah. Yeah, fuck that guy. I don't he like is. <laughs> Who did he lose to? Someone beat him. That's why he dropped low. Um, Let me check this. I'm looking through it right now. If that guy became um, a world champion in whatever division he becomes a world champion in, if he does, I'm never watching that division until he loses. I hate that guy so much. He just rubs really? Yeah, he just, you know what he reminds me of? You know, I don't know if you guys watched WWE growing up, right? Oh, yeah, I was a big WWE kid. You know when they'd bring in like a generic guy from like the, the development squad to just get fucking run over and they haven't got like a, a character yet? That's what the Sen- place looks like. Yeah. Like dry, boring. It's like when you're like creating a player on NBA 2K or FIFA and they just like, it's the default look. Yeah. The Joe, the Joe random, as they say. But yeah, unfortunately, if it is his retirement fight, I'm going to have to throw some money on Duplessis because we just have a streak. Honestly, I have a lot of fights that I'm probably going to be betting on on this card because I feel like there's a lot of, I say guarantees. Like, look. Everyone has a fighter's chance. It's just Yo, how the you combat gotta give works. Brunson his respect, though, dude. Dudes fought Chris Lieb and Yoel Romero, Ed Herman, Uriah Hall, Rob Whitaker, Anderson Silva, Leo Machida, Jacare, Izzy, Kevin hey, Ball, and Darren Till and wow. Jared Cannonier. Buddy, put that on the put that on the jumbotron while he walks out, just so we can get murdered before it. It, it really doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter, dude. It's the same shit every time. Like they they hype them all. They're like great career. Yeah. He lost most of those as well. Yeah, but he still <laughs> fought him, dude, and that's what that's what matters. <laughs> Been in the UFC since 2012, bro. Honestly, you guys are so right about these UFC end of career setups. Yeah, we're gonna do a, a tribute for you. Have your kids in the front row. It's like, yeah. like uh, you Frankie Edgar, they gave him fucking uh what was that that, that kid's name? Ah shit. They gave him that young stud who mur- yeah. Frankie Edgar comes out, everyone's clapping for him, he kisses his kids, and they get fucking slept in the first round. That's, that's on Frankie though, bringing the kids out. That's on him. <laughs> I don't know what he did. <laughs> Oh man, Chris Gutierrez. And Frankie yeah, Gutierrez, said on Embedded, yeah. this is the first time my kids are gonna see me fight. And you're like, Frankie, no, no, Frankie, no. Yeah, but they Let always them give the them tapes the fucking... older. Please. Ah, they give them the toughest goodbye fights. I mean, would I wouldn't even say it's just the UFC. I mean, Bellator gave Fedor Ryan Bader. Like they didn't make it any fucking better for him either. Yeah. Fedor should have retired a long time ago. A long fucking time ago. Yeah. Probably yeah. after like the Dan Henderson. One. Bro, Fedor was was world champion of affliction when I started training. Jesus Christ, that's just way too long. Fedor made his debut the year I was born, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck out of here. Check that out. He made his I, debut in 2000. 
Oh, never mind then. I'll say this. I've never been a fan of like watching kid like watching fighters kids watch their fights and i think what cemented that for me was i'm pretty sure you've seen the video of like yoel when he lost and he's walking back to the cage or he's like walking out of the octagon with his kid and his kid's like asking him like oh you're bleeding and all this stuff and like yoel's like trying to like tell his kid after he just got like brutally beaten that he's like oh you know it's okay like you know like god loves us all this stuff and i'm just like dude you just got your kid had to watch you get manhandled like okay, how but have you seen the second well? half of that video I mean, have you seen to, the second half of that video? They're I mean, behind stage, and Rob Whitaker walks up to UL's kids and hugs them and says, "Your daddy's a warrior. Like it sucks. We have to beat each other up, but we're friends. It's all good." At least you're There's two sides of every story, brother. Yeah, but you still like. Even if you told me that as a kid, I just watched my dad like get the shit beat out of him. Like even if you would have won, even if you would no, even if you would have won the fight, like even like watching your parent just get like bludgeoned, even in a win, I feel like you. That's like very traumatized. Like that's yeah. I'd be, if I was a kid, if I was a kid and my dad, I would just watch my dad fight. I'd be terrified of the person. Even if my dad won, I reckon I'd still probably be scared of the person. Y'all should, y'all should see my mom when I fight. Oh really? And she is freaking the fuck out. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. My two, yeah. That I was just about to say that when Dustin beat Max and he won up the rush and he was like, "Don't cry, your daddy's a champion. Your daddy's a fucking beast." I would say that one, and I would say when Tyron Woodley's mom talked to Usman. Those are my two favorite, my two favorite encounters after a fight ever. I want to see one of these kids in these like a situation where like you know how funny would it be if um Rush Max's kid is getting comforted by Max's opponent and Rush just spits in his face. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just thinking about like what if what if the kid isn't old enough to like know what's going on, so he just starts punching the leg of like the other fighter, and he's like trying. That's to- what that's not what Hasbula does. Yeah, he yeah. starts beating the shit out of the other fighters. Like, like, man. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about Hasbula? I think they're just like exploiting some little guy. But I mean, you know, he drives in Dagestan. I mean, he's old enough. Okay, okay, but realistically, how yeah. though? Yeah. How they probably have it all handmade. Yeah, they, there's there's cars. There's there's a uh, what's the politically correct word? Dwarf? A tiny person? Dwarf? Yeah, dwarfism. There's a guy with dwarfism at my gym. And I've just, obviously, he's very noticeable. And then I saw him driving away from the gym and it just fucking blew my mind. And <laughs> it's just at the wheel, like. There's people who can drive with, like, no legs. Yeah, I think they put a pedal butt for the hands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but how would a seatbelt work? Like, how, how does that work? It's like a harness. He, he sits on a booster seat, bro. Oh, booster seat. Yeah, makes sense. All I'm saying is going anywhere over 50 miles an hour, there's no way you're living. You're getting you're getting, when, you're getting tossed like a chucky doll. When you're as rich as Hasbullah, he probably just pays for another person to just <laughs> hit the, the the gas and the brake for him. Below I mean, him. dude, if I was that rich, I would never drive. I'd rather people yeah. drive me. Yeah. Well, you could end up like Paul Walker because, I mean, his his driver ended up killing him. That wasn't his driver, though. That's not what happened. Are we it sure? It was a it was a professional race car driver who was trying to flex for him and killed them both. Uh, you guys damn. are you guys are Americans from Florida, so you probably know about the Net Boys, right? Yes, yes, yes we do, we do. Yeah, uh, so, unfortunately. So I feel like the Net Boys in America is how we feel about like the sidemen in the UK. KSI guys. 
Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I can see um, that. Where it's like for the rest of the world, they're pretty interesting, but for us, they're a little bit like uh, um, reminiscing of our childhood and a little bit cringy. They all, they all, I don't know if you saw this video, but all of those sidemen guys, they came to do comedy and they all like bombed hard. Like, yeah, yeah but that was the point of the video. But the yeah. milk boys, they went to Dagestan with Islam Makachev's camp. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. It I don't follow the milk boys. Yeah, we, we try to avoid them at all costs. Yeah. It was quite interesting because um they lived with Islam Makachev's camp for a few days, which is incredible access. And they hung out with Hezbollah and Hezbollah's just driving <laughs> <laughs> and slapping people in the car while he's driving. And see, that's where I, I have a weird opinion on Hasbulla. Like, I get he's cute and funny, and, like, that's why everyone's, like, blowing him up and doing this shit. But at the same time, he's a grown man. Like, I wouldn't just be letting a grown man slap me around, you know? Like, I don't – I feel very 50-50 on it. Like, well, like what I do you do? Kick him? <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, no, I just fucking grab him and move him because he's this big. But I'm just it looks saying – like, like his punch is hurt as well. It's just like I understand the like, oh, he's so cute and like funny aspect, but at the same time, it's like if I was him, I would want to be treated like an adult. I wouldn't want to be treated like a like a toy. I see what you mean. Yeah. The the other the other one, Abdul Rosic, he's um he's, he's the like, one that they were supposed to fight, right? Yeah, that guy is super famous in like India because mm. they like made him some big Bollywood star or something. In in Hezbollah's um defense i guess apparently he's very selective about who he lets pick him up so you have to be a good friend of his for him to let you do that which is okay i get that yeah we were talking about this right now that's that's <laughs> yeah no. i think we're done with the fight <laughs> but it's also like at the same time like that's almost patronizing to say as well because it's almost how you talk about a puppy like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, my dog will bite you if it doesn't if it doesn't like you and you try yeah. to pick it up yeah. So he's like literally, he's the physical embodiment of like Thor's hammer. If you're not worthy, like you just like can't even approach him. You're like, oh, good luck. He's just going to punch the shit out of you or shoot you. I've seen the videos of him like guns and shit. Like, dude, if you were to fire a gun, I feel like it would send him flying in the opposite direction. But, ah, dude, I mean, sorry. So he said, no, I was just going to say, I mean, he's extremely marketable. I'll say that like whatever gets the UFC clicks and views like that. They'll probably keep him on as long as people find some form of entertainment from him. I mean, I hate to say that to like just use someone as a form of entertainment, but it's no different than watching a guy just get his ass beat for our entertainment. Yeah. I think uh, we missed out uh, Cody Garbrandt. Do you guys have any thoughts? It's hard for me to talk about Cody, man. My heart loves him, but I mean, they're just giving him a bum. They're giving him a guy who's 13 and nine. who's fucking 0 and three in his last fights. Like they're just praying to God. Cody doesn't get, doesn't lose. Yeah. I hope, hope Cody wins, but I'm no. I, I'm kind of. My heart can't take it anymore either. I know. I love <laughs> Cody so much, dude. And like, he's just, oh. dude. Cody is just so two sides of the same coin. Like it, it's insane. Like it's I've not a skill. Seen... It's not a skill thing. His skill is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, if you were to clone Kobe, Cody, excuse me, if you were to clone Cody and have him fight himself. I feel like he would brutally murder himself. I feel like it wouldn't even be close. And that might sound like really confusing, but like, if you think about it, if you fought yourself, you would think it'd be somewhat competitive and, you know, you'd be matched up literally the same, but Cody's mindset separates him in fights so easily. It's whatever, it's whatever Cody shows up. That's mentally prepared, sticks to the game plan, knows what he's going to do going into it, or he's just going in there as a shit talker and it's going to try to brawl his way out of it. And the worst part is, is 
if he goes into it from a brawler standpoint, like, yeah, your hands are good enough, but if someone has a better game plan than you, they're going to find the chink in your armor. and they're, Which is his chin. Yeah, which is his chin. And, hey, as a striker, if your chin is your weakness, it's probably not the best thing uh, to leave exposed. So. What I don't understand is is his bot. Look, we all know how fucking good his boxing is, but he's a very legitimate wrestler. He's a two-time Ohio State high school wrestling state champion. He was a college All-American. If I knew my chin was as bad as his, I would wrestle more. And he doesn't. I don't. I don't get it. Well, what I don't get is like you know, obviously he went on a bad run, but then the guy versus Samsal, he looked amazing, and then he went back to the guy who kept losing. So hopefully we get the good Cody. That's all I'll say. I would be so happy if I got a Cody first round knockout. Oh my god, yeah. I'd be so happy. But I mean, I think that covers all the yeah. all the fights I mean, through this card. I'm pretty satisfied with what we. Only other thing I gotta say is uh, opening prelim, Ian Gary shout him out. He's supposed to be the next. Conor McGregor, I got a couple buddies that train with them, say he's a super cool guy, and he has a very good-looking bird. So, good for oh, him, man. Dude's winning. Winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Winning. We may have to drop our uh, top five best birds. Uh, in the oh, UFC. we could do that. Uh, yeah, best UFC birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Tracy Cortez, but I think Brian broke up with her, so. Yeah. Damn. Well, I mean, my childhood dream was Misha Tate. I mean, not a fighter, but Megan O'Leary will forever Hold a special place. Except Joseph Benavides could literally destroy you. Uh, he can't eat a 45 caliber bullet. So at the end of the day, I think I may win. <laughs> but uh, hey, guys, it was a it was a pleasure and an honor to do this. Hopefully, we can do this again for another big card. I'm so yeah. stoked and happy we were able to make this uh, fruition and come come true. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 so much fun. Oh yeah, I'm always down. Okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. And if you've got to the end of this, make sure you subscribe to both of our channels and show us lots of love across the pond. Yes. Beautiful stuff. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Take care. Peace.